What day is ladies and gentlemen? Nobody knows. All we know is that there's football on because there's football on seemingly every day for the rest of our lives. Welcome to our round 10B preview, round 10A review, and just another day in this COVID catastrophe, but festival of footy nonetheless. And with me to hold hands and sing Kumbaya as we try our best to work our way through this pandemic is the Pontus Prophet himself. Big bustling Baz. How's uh how's Elwood this, Elwood this morning, mate? It's very chilly here in Sakilda Beach. Yeah, it's all right. It's, it's a bit chilly. I had the um had the heater going this morning for a little bit, but uh as I'm not working for the next six weeks, I thought I'd better turn it off and put it on a few extra layers. Uh but uh, yeah, Victoria's in the lockdown, can't go to work, can't do anything. So thank God there's footy on because uh yeah, it could be a very boring six weeks coming up. Now, what that does mean, Baz, is there's no escape from one of your least favourite type of people, and that's Richmond fans. We'll get straight into it. It is what just happened, the big wins and bad beats of round 10A, and the biggest and baddest beat was obviously the beat you took by tipping Brisbane. Richmond 12-10-82 defeated Brisbane 4-17-41. My question to you off the bat, Baz, is this proof that Richmond are back, the premiership favourites, the premiership contenders, the dynasty makers, or is this just proof that some results are random? Um, It's proof that Brisbane have done this again. They've done it a few times in the last two years. They probably even going back to Fagan's first year. There's a few games they should have won. They dominate games of footy first periods, and they don't put it on the scoreboard. And uh, it comes back to hurt them. It happened against Geelong, and it happened really badly here against Richmond. I, I, I probably wouldn't look too much into the last quarter. I think that was uh, the game was definitely Brisbane definitely put the cue in the rack for the last quarter. But yeah, the first two, the first half, you know, they dominated inside fifties. They uh, they got smashed a bit in the clearances and, and contested ball in the first quarter, but they evened that up in the second quarter and right, weren't just able to, weren't able to put it on the on the scoreboard, you know. And Richmond were able to. They had was it nine inside fifties in the second quarter for um, five goals or six goals. So they, yeah, they <laughs> Brisbane got opened up too easily, probably going the other way, and they were able to get scored against pretty easily just for. the I wouldn't call it cheating. It's probably smart forward play, but um, Tommy Lynch kicked a few goals and a few other players kicked some goals by almost saying, all right, I'll let you go up and try and intercept Mark and Harris Andrews or whoever it was, whoever their opponent was, and they'd just sag off. And if the ball came to the ground, they were just five metres in space at the, at, the back, like at the front of the ball. So they got the ball and were able to walk into an open goal, as you didn't see from the scoring shots mm. chart. They kicked probably five or six goals from... Um, pretty much walking into the open goal because they just literally cheated forward a bit and just backed the fact that the ball comes to the ground, they can surge the ball forward. Um, it was going to go their way, which is a dangerous game to play. And like I said, in the first half, it didn't really work and Brisbane had all the play and probably should have put more scoreboard pressure on and it would have probably changed the way Richard went about it. But um, unfortunately, it didn't. And yeah, you look at all the stats, that, you know, Brisbane won the clearances, um, they, you know, they pretty much won everything really, and just I just couldn't put on the scoreboard in that in the first two quarters. Very strange second quarter in particular, where, where Brisbane has fourteen inside fifties for one goal, seven percent conversion rates, absurd. As you said, Richmond the exact opposite, nine inside fifties for five goals. So that alone just shows the that if you 
that basically decides the whole game. But that outcome is very is very random. You can't draw on that second quarter and say this second quarter is proof that Richmond is a far better side than Brisbane. And there's no way from watching this game that you can go Richmond is 41 points better than Brisbane. Because as you said before, the rest of the stats lay out. Like they are an even side in, in clearances, ground ball gets, inside 50s was basically the same, 44 to 40. And even the ability to find shots Brisbane was actually higher, so 53% of actually create shot creation versus Richmond at 50 per inside 50. So, yeah, other than the scoreboard, which is obviously the most important stat for people to follow other than wins, is, yeah, Richmond got the goals and Brisbane didn't. But I think if you drill down deeper, the gap between the two sides is actually not that big. So if you were Chris Fagan, what do you say in the locker room afterwards? You've been drummed by 41 points, but you know in your arsenal all these stats say you're actually a potential chance of winning this game or it was a it was a one-two goal game, not a 41-point drumming. I'd be just pointing out all the positives and trying to be as positive as I can about it. Um, I probably wouldn't bring up the goal accuracy thing and I probably wouldn't bring up the fact that it was Richmond, but I do, I do think you'll come to regret the fact that he built up the game and was so keen on them beating them as much as he did. I reckon it adds to the pressure for next time. Um, and I think they, I reckon they got them a bit in their head a bit, Richmond. So especially if they miss a few early ones. And there was a few goals that they really should have, like there was one from um, oh, Skinner. He, he walked into an open goal. And, you know, Richmond stuffed up a few as well. But, yeah, I, I think in back in their system, they played – they played a similar sort of style to what St Kilda did. It was more kick and um, use a lot more lead up so that they couldn't, um, you know, stop Richmond's defence from sagging off so much. And it, it was effective, especially in the first two quarters. So, yeah, I probably would be pointing at the positives and pointing at the facts and saying, look, if we can fix this bit up, which is this, the goal kicking, then we probably were in the game a lot more and probably would have put them away before half time. So, yeah, I- <laughs> It's probably a hard one because, like I said, he built it up so much during the week and you could see with his reaction. I've never seen that um, emotional and reactionary on the boundary before. So he obviously meant a lot to the group. They obviously built it up. So whether that has a bit of an effect on him going forward, uh, who knows? But Richmond just kept getting it done. But I'm not – I'm sorry, I'm not sold on Richmond. Like you can't win that game and say, yeah, Richmond are back. Uh, and I don't think you can write off Brisbane either because for anything it just shows that Brisbane have got – more improvement to come. And for me, I know Richmond have got, you know, people keep saying they've got six or seven, you know, players that come back in. Every team has players that come back in. Every team has injuries. No team will ever be at full strength. So Saying that though, Richmond Richmond just beat Brisbane by 41 points and Brisbane are one of your two top premiership contenders this year. Beating a team that significantly surely means that they are in the contention. Like they're at least in the top four. They're at least contending this year again, surely. If Brisbane had a kicked accurately to the score projections, what would the score be? If you go on their season average, it's forty percent accuracy. So they get, they kick an extra four goals. Yeah, but what was it? That wasn't it. The other data showed that the scores pretty much would have been level, but it wouldn't have happened like that if they had to kick those five goals in the yeah. second quarter because they would have been five or six goals up. Richmond would have been chasing and not playing the way they did. I, I'm sorry, but I don't buy into Richmond at all. I'm still not sold on them, and I'm. But what, other, than, other than not having depth, which clearly this game disproved because they're playing with depth and winning games, what is it? Is there something 
because obviously you saw it when you when you tipped Richmond to win the premiership last year, you saw it, you picked it, you stuck with it. What aren't you seeing other than these like intangibles? Is there something like you can actually put your finger on and go, this is the weakness? Is it the fact that yeah. they rely on over the back scoring? So if you break down their scoring efficiency, zero to 24 metres is by far their most accurate at 74%. They lead the league in that. So if they get the ball over the back, like you said, the cheating forward system that they've kind of developed, they score heavily. Everything else, they're below average in the league. So they don't score from those hot mark zones from 25 to 50 out, and they don't score much from 50 beyond. Other teams, so Port Adelaide in particular, who has like a Charlie Dixon, a really key marking target, which obviously Richmond have with Tom Lynch and Jack Rewell, but those teams are looking more to hit up in that in that mid mid range zone and then kick goals from marks where Richmond isn't doing that. Is that the weakness? What's the actual weakness you see teams exploiting? All right, so they gave up twenty one scoring shots against Brisbane. Yep. The other the other team that played inside the eight was Jervis. They lost. Yes. Yep. Uh, they only just beat Sydney by a kick. Yep. The only other team they've played in the eight was St Kilda. And they lost. They gave up eight. They gave up eighteen scoring shots again, and they they scored ninety three points against them. And they haven't played any other team inside the eight yet, right? So they played two. and They're giving up or three. Uh, GWS play a bit different style. They're giving up lots of scoring shots. Now, if if Brisbane had a kick straight early in that game. That game would have been over. It would have been a similar score on to St Kilda. If you've got fast ball movement, use the hit-ups and lower your eyes against Richmond, their defence and their style of defence will not cut it. And that's why against Port Adelaide this week, you'll see it. If they play Brisbane again, you'll see it. If they play St Kilda again, you'll see it. Anyone with quick ball movement like that, Richmond will be exposed as a back line. And it happened two years ago on the prelim and it's happened a lot over the last few years when teams get it going and they make it count early in the scoreboard as well and don't fluff it like Brisbane did, that you can put scoreboard pressure against Richmond. And then it stops them from playing the way they play because they've got to change their style. And I just don't believe that your def- your and Richmond's defence is good enough that if the opposition gets their game going and even you're relying a lot on over the back as well. So if you know if, if, they, if a team can develop a strategy around that, which teams have, how are you going to kick your goals? Because you're not usually scoring a lot either. So I just don't think the capacity is there. I think other teams have, have moved past you. They've got better styles and we'll get the job done when it really matters. I think we've been in, 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 in agreement this year, but I think having kind of a bit more of a tangible explanation behind it than just a vibe or an eye test is, is really handy. If you break down into this game in particular, we were talking about the Richmond-Brisbane game, 12 minutes into the second quarter, um, courtesy of Stats Insider, they had the Brisbane's chance of winning at 42% and rose from 25% throughout that quarter. So as you said, they had that second quarter dominance. They didn't capitalize. And then from the 13-minute mark onwards in the second quarter, they basically, they didn't capitalize. Richmond kicked some late goals in that second quarter, and then it was basically game over. So again, it's a good win. It's a side that's won recently. It's hard to put lines through, and I wouldn't put a line through Richmond. But in my opinion and in my analysis, are they – a far better side than Brisbane? No. Are they a far better side than Port Adelaide? No, and we'll get to them next week. But I still think it's it's kind of impossible to rule them out given the fact that they've been there and done it for the last three years. So second team we mentioned there was Port Adelaide, and that's this for my next question. So Port Adelaide, 8-7-55, defeated Western Bulldogs, 5-12-42. What does Port Adelaide 
have to do. It's such a common question that I have for you each week. It's because they keep on winning. They keep on surging ahead in all the KPIs. They're on top of the ladder and no one rates them still. So West Coast and Richmond are equal favourites for the Premiership now at $5, $5.50, depending on bookmakers. Brisbane slid to $8, and Port Adelaide's now fourth favourite at $9. Lovely. It seems good value for us. We keep telling people that Port Adelaide are the number one, the pole position holders. Is it just the fact they have to go out and beat Richmond next week and then people will believe, or is there just some kind of anti-Adelaide bias or what's the go here? Because yes, they might look sloppy. They might look a bit tired, but guess what? They're traveling all over the country to play football at the moment, just like everyone else is, but they're still winning when other teams yeah. win and win tough. It's a good thing. When, when West, um, when Hawthorne won games through that three peat that didn't look great and they looked tired and looked old. Everyone was like, that's what champion sides do. So how come when poor Adelaide beats Western Bulldogs convincingly, on a, just like we said they would, break them down the stoppages and take them over in the second half, how come they don't get the kudos that other teams do? I think because we've been sold down this path before and I think people struggle to trust Port, but I don't think they see that they're a different side. All the younger players are playing really good footy. Their style's changed. Um, their leaders and key you know, senior players are standing up, um, which is something that probably their neighbours over at Adelaide could look at. Um, and, yeah, I think, just think they're travelling very well. They're well-coached. They're not panicking when they're not things aren't going their way. So, you know, we saw against St Kilda, they were a bit flat. They couldn't get back in the game. They, they, they were still in the game until three-quarter time. It wasn't until a couple of mistakes in that last quarter that St Kilda really blew them away. And they were in a similar position against the Doggies this week where, you know, they've come off, you know, four and five-day backups. They've travelled. Uh, they've, they've also been isolating and all that sort of stuff. So it's been a tough probably three or four weeks for them. They've probably, you know, this is probably a perfect time for Richmond to get them as well. But if they can knock off Richmond this week and the mentality is it doesn't matter, you know, there's no excuses. So that's a great, great mindset from Kevin Hinckley and, and the boys down there to have as well. So uh, for me, I, I'm happy for them to keep flying under the radar because I keep getting better odds every week when I go back and back them to win the flag. Just like Brisbane, I got better odds again this week. Um, you, you're mad if you're back in West Coast and Richmond at those odds. Uh, even when I backed Richmond last year, they were at seven bucks and eight bucks. So, just uh, don't fall into the hype yet because you probably get if – you, if you really like Richmond and West Coast, just wait another few more weeks because they'll be blown out again. Um, yeah, I just think that Port, if they beat Richmond this week, then they'll start getting some respect that they deserve. And I, I just like their way to go on about it. Like, they could have had every right to fall away against the Doggies, but they just stuck to it. They defended really, really well. Their intercept mark game was on and they were just too big and too strong in the end for the Doggies who were – up and about, looking fit, looking fresh, but couldn't get the job done. So there's some big uh, question marks and a few blokes down at Doggies, I reckon, and I don't reckon their list is in as good a shape as what people think. And a bit like Melbourne, they've got some work to do. Yeah. No, it's not quite as bad as Melbourne. Not as quite as much work to do as Melbourne, but definitely they're more like an Essendon side for mine that we're, they kind of, you look at their list, the Doggies each year, and you're going to go, this side could easily play finals. And then after about six to ten weeks, you're like, Nah, this this club isn't that good, but they're not yeah. atrocious like a, like a Melbourne. So, that's not well, the funny thing I think I think Norton coming back isn't a fix their issues, but they've also been um, they've also had some issues against the Tolls the last few weeks down back. So, like Josh Bruce was brought in as a number one key forward, and he, he can't get near it at the moment. He keeps complaining and flapping. How about you just compete? You know, you see at one end you got. Young young players who are playing the first second season at Port Adelaide. It helps if Dixon's down there, you know, walking tall. But all they got to do is compare. We even saw last night 
Himmelberg, oh, he just competed and brought the ball to ground. He took some really good contested marks. Yeah, he's going to fall away because he's young, but you know, surely Josh Bruce can do that for his team. And if they bring it, the, they'll bring it to the ground and see an inset marked. They probably would have been all over um, Adelaide earlier in that game because they got the had the the mid dominance, and especially in the ground ball. So, yeah, it was an interesting one. But I'm, uh, yeah, I'm really bought, I'm really confident about Port, and I'm more so. And yeah, I just keep you know feeling back in, and hopefully I don't get let down again. Let's move into our round 10 previews and we'll start with a very interesting game. Collingwood are $1.31 favourites tonight against Sydney. $3.50 outsiders at the Gabba. The line here is 18 and a half and the over-under is 118. And this is crunch time for your pies, Baz. The top eight race is tightening up. There's probably one or two spots left in my opinion. But the Swans are a bit of a bogey side for you. It's always kind of a tough slog against the Swans for the pies. Are you scared? Um... No, let's put it this way: if we don't win tonight, yeah, I'm never talking, speaking about AFL ever, ever, ever again. Surely, we can beat a plucky Sydney side with the outs they have, the young kids that they're playing, and I like our ends. We've got Ben Reed coming, which I think is a massive in. Hopefully, he can stay fit. Callum Brown comes in, which adds a bit more class to half four line. Uh, we've got the young backman from WA that we picked up in the draft as well. Who's If you haven't seen it, go on social media and look at it in Tally's mum. It's absolute class. Um, and I can't remember who the other uh, – Jared Ruffhead comes in, which I can't believe he didn't play last week. That's a massive in. I think we match up pretty well uh, defensively with the smalls. We've got enough talls. And we need to set mark game. We're, we're going to have to – there was a good article in the ABC about our um, – stoppages and our stoppage work and how we're getting done and why we're getting done because we're trying to come through the front of the pack more and, and quicken up our ball movement but it has a double it's a double-edged sword that sort of style where we've gone away from our general feedback then looking to open it up and I think don't know whether that's because of what other clubs are doing around our stoppage work or what but I think um, that's definitely an issue and Hopefully we'll fix that up and, you know, some a bit more effort. I think our efforts really started to drop off. I know our pressure gauge was up last week in that last quarter, but and just some more method going forward with the ball and backing in our fall. And we went enough, over it enough probably last problem when we discussed Collingwood, but I just think we're going to have too much for Sydney at the moment. They're, Sydney are going to be good in a year, a year or two because they've got enough young kids coming through. They're starting to play different footy and exciting footy. It's going to be a good game to watch. I'm really looking forward to it, but I'm just, <laughs> If we don't win this, I'm done. Like, seriously, we are a better side than Sydney. We need to be winning or else we're going to struggle to make the eight in a short condensed season. Look, I've already got our, our, the line through us, obviously. I did that last week. I'm sticking the line through us still, but surely we win. Surely. So I'm a bit scared. So around scoring areas, that's the scary bit. So the scoring profile for both sides is very similar Inside 50s per game is basically exactly the same and inside 50 efficiency is basically exactly the same, that being poor at 39%. I suppose the difference here is that like, there's clearly upside to Collingwood. If Collingwood play anywhere near their best, they are too good for Sydney. But recently they've been very, very poor. So they've generated a goal from 17% of their inside 50s from quarter time onwards this season. So outside the first quarter, you basically can't score you can't move the footy either. So the last four weeks, they've only generated four points from defensive 50 chains. So if the ball ball starts in defensive 50, four points for a whole game for the last four weeks. So they're super concerning, but the Swans aren't going to like 
on a team, they're, they're the equivalent of where Collingwood is now. So any room for improvement for Collingwood should equal a Collingwood win. So that's probably the only like silver lining on this very dark cloud for the Pies. Every team has gone through a flat patch this year as well. So they've had a flat couple of weeks. We haven't had them yet. Well, now we are. So hopefully we can get out of it. Um, I reckon unders surely in this game. Oh, 100%. This is the under unders game ever. Watch him come out and score 90 points aside. No, I reckon it's an unders game. Even though Sydney are the number one team now coming back through the middle, but the Gabba generally does open up the scoring as well. We've seen that this year. The Gabba's generally been probably one of the main scoring venues because it's a bit bigger. But I'm, uh, I reckon unders, Collingwood to win. And just look at Trelaw. Trelaw and Adams have been pretty poor last couple of weeks, so I'm expecting them to bounce back. I might have a little treble with Trelaw, Adams, and side bottom to get over 25. Uh, each, you probably get around three bucks and just uh, have a bit of a play with that, I reckon. Obvious tip here for me is Collingwood win the first. It's paying $1.44. Pretty short, but this is like a Winx type bet in footy at the moment. So Collingwood have won 94% of their first quarters this season. Sydney have won 11. So that's number one in the comp versus number last in the comp. So that's the obvious pick for mine. And then you can play around with all the things we usually play around with Collingwood each, each uh, game. So Collingwood to win the first, head-to-head and unders is $3.40. And if you think the plucky swans will take this deep, call it, roll in Sydney to cover the line of 18 and a half, and that's paying $9.50 for a nice little rough action if you think the swans are a chance. Second game tonight, Gold Coast, $2.61 outsiders against St Kilda, $1.50 favourites. They're playing at Metricon Stadium just down the road. The line here is 11 and a half, and the over-under is one twenty-two. And whilst the Suns have been the feel-good story of 2020 so far, it's setting the story of the Suns, and it's the same old Suns at the moment. They start good, they fade, and then they have a pretty poor end to the back end of the season. Unlike St Kilda, who is shining bright, much to your frustration, Baz, can the Suns bring some joy to your Thursday night by taking down those Saints? I reckon they can. They were pretty good last week, the Suns. like I know they didn't win, and I know GWS had a few outs, and they're... The, the game style probably suited the Suns a bit, but they, they were plucky right to the end and they had a few players down. And I just reckon they're, they're, if they can get the defensive game going, which they're, they're generally been pretty good in their intercept marking, which that's probably their strength. With the way that um, St Kilda play, they're probably half a sniff, but I'm, back, like I'm, t- I'm tipping Sid, uh, St Kilda and, and reckon St Kilda win this, but I wouldn't be surprised if there is a bit of an upset. And I know you're probably going to say my hatred, but I'm actually talking without the hatred here. I can definitely see the Suns take this deeper than what people will think. But I, I still think St Kilda will win. And the 11 and a half, if, the, if that line was out, you know, to 18 and a half or something like that, I'd probably have a look at that for Gold Coast. But, yeah, I can, I can definitely see an upset here. But you've got to tip St Kilda on their recent form and they'll probably get the job done. But I don't reckon it would be as easy or plain sailing as what people might think. Um, but yeah, Gold Coast. I still have a feeling they could they could probably be a rough chance for the eight if they just had a probably one or two bit, one or two more players with that bit of uh, bit more experience helping them out. Especially going forward, they they do butcher the footy going forward. So and that kind of lies into St Kilda's strength. So Gold Coast are pretty much in like the top four teams for clangers and disposals per clanger. They do like to turn the ball over a lot and make some pretty outrageous errors. St Kilda generate. 67 points from intercept possessions last round, which is ranked first in the league the most of any game. That's how St. Kilda are dominating teams at the moment is by feasting on errors. Um, but they're also doing it from stoppage. They're also doing it from consistency inside forward 50, 
They've been in front on the scoreboard for 70% of matches this season, equal first in the AFL as well. So St Kilda are doing it pretty well and they've beaten some far better teams in Gold Coast and you'd be, you'd be, you're chasing money, you're chasing odds and you're looking through hatred goggles probably if you think that the Suns going to upset St Kilda in, in my opinion. No, I'm leaving this game alone, but I'm just saying like I'm tipping St Kilda and expecting the win, but I would not be surprised the game's a lot closer than people think. And the final game for round 10 is Friday night. Essendon, $3 outsiders against GWS, $1.39 favourites at Metricon Stadium, the new home of football. The line here is 14 and a half, the over-under, a very, very low 103. An absolute snore fest on the cards here for our Friday night marquee game. There's no way that the um, Bombers win this, do they? Surely GWS win, surely. You'd think so. You'd like, think so. We've, watched, we've watched a bit of Essendon lately and then they're putrid. And, and even if they got players back, they're still not – you still would not expect to beat Jerry. So Toby Green is a big big out, obviously, but he doesn't affect their clearance game that much. It's more inside 50s for, for Toby, and that's where the massive mismatch is. So the past four rounds, SNF conceded 28 points from their opponent's clearances. That's last in the league. That's worse than Adelaide. Meanwhile, the Giants score basically only from clearance. So... They've won first possession from 50% in ground stoppages, ranked first. They've outscored the opposition by six points per game from set of bounds clearances, ranked first. And in the past four rounds, they've recorded a contested possession differential of 13 plus. So that's ranked first as well. So they'll beat up the Bombers around the stoppage and uh, basically win the game from there. Well, last week was the first time they went inside 50 more than something like 32 times for it been a long time. So they got 45 last week, but... Even then, Gold Coast was still allowed nearly 40 as well. So maybe their game styles change a little bit, but I think that was just the t- opposition they were playing. But they've they generally been pretty safe with the ball and they haven't had many inside 50s. So if they get 40-odd again, um, I'm tipping that they're going to beat Essendon pretty comfortably because I don't think Essendon have anything going forward for them. We saw that last week and the week before where they just struggled to score. And Jerry West's defence is generally pretty good. So the you know, they haven't had a lot of, haven't had big scores kicked against some JWS. So, yeah, I just think that they're going to be too good. Hard to disagree with you on that one there, mate. Uh, do you have any feature bets that weren't mentioned? Uh, just probably, like I said, that, that little. Uh, about five bucks, actually. I checked it. The side bottom Chalor Adams over 25. You can probably take them uh, over 20 and Chalor over 25, which gets you about $2, $2.50. Um, otherwise, just take the favourites all head to head and you can probably get close to three bucks as well. So I think that the, the three favourites should be winning. We're getting to that point of the year where you can probably trust the, the better teams to be winning. And I think they're the three better teams. So get on them. And uh, yeah, then we look forward to. Friday or Saturday night where, uh, yeah, it's more interesting games coming up. That's the joys, the one few joys of this current time. Sorry, audience, we're a bit flat today. Tough times in Victoria. But, yes, there's footy on every day to keep us entertained. With that said, uh, have fun watching the footy tonight and tomorrow night and we'll be back with you guys on Saturday morning. Yeah.